Good evening, and welcome to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumpfer. Hi, Stacey. Did you notice that the Irish guys started playing something different? I know. They were doing a little, I think that, that was the James Bond music or something, isn't that? That's what I usually think of the blog talk radio music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Think, well, well, we'll get these Irish guys back at the end of the show. Okay. So there how you are go. you? <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Not in my usual spot. Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, uh, it's evening here in North Carolina, but I am uh, ready and ready to have a good conversation about HR technology. Our times are a little uh, mixed up today, but hey, it's it's all good. We're still getting a chance to talk. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Welcome, welcome to the thing. So, so what's new with you? What are you seeing out in the world? Well, we are um, getting ready to launch the annual HR system survey uh, for Sierra Cedar. So that's been taking up most of my time. Um, lots of, of good stuff going on with um, new HR technology questions. Um, a lot of questions that deal with some of this news that we got in the news bag this week with uh, benefits and how people are thinking about outsourcing and what are some of the new emerging technologies that people are actually working on. Uh, data privacy issues, those type of things that we'll be adding to the survey this year. Um, but I'm home this week, so so I don't have as much, you know, insight from all the the conferences and events. But but you were traveling a little bit this week, right? You were in San Francisco. Yeah, I, sp- I spent some time with some forward-looking vendors talking about their um, um, willingness to help me with my research. And- and so, so it was pretty productive. And I'll tell you what I'm really excited about. I think probably Monday, my next article for HR Executive Magazine comes out. And it's called 12 Ways to Get Fired as a CHRO. Um, <laughs> there you go. Always good advice. <laughs> so, so, so I'm excited to see what the uh, blowback from that looks like. Right. The, the basic <laughs> idea is that is that HR is becoming a science. And if you don't get on board, um, the train's going to run over you. That yeah. this is that, that but, you but, need to pay attention to your data and you need to learn how to do some science. But not everybody might be ready to hear that message. So that'll be the interesting thing to see to see what you get from the HR community, because I think oh, some I organizations think- and some people are still struggling a bit with it. Yeah, I think I think I'll get. I think I'm hoping to get a, an interesting and mixed response, um, but but I imagine it'll be of the variety of. Yeah, I wish my kids weren't growing up so fast. They seem to be discovering sex, you know, and and <laughs> and, and just because you don't want to hear it <laughs> doesn't make it go away. It's not happening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I I. I'm, I'm hopefully past some of that stage at this point. My kids are old enough now that I'm just assuming that they're beyond that. But I think that there are a lot of HR functions that probably are right there. So I think you'll have a lot of that conversation. <laughs> well, it'll be, it'll be interesting. Like I said, I'm very excited about, about seeing the results of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, That's it'll great. be, you know, I, I think the, the idea of HR as a science is a, is a critical conversation. But I also think that the flip side of that, as much as it becomes a science, that it also becomes a data management issue. And that's the side that I'm, that I'm seeing a lot of, which is that organizations have to really figure out with all this available data, what is their role in making sure that it gets effectively managed and protected and regulated 
And so, yes, you want the data to have scientific conversation, but there's got to be the other side of it, right? Well, I think they're the same thing. I, I, you, if you don't take care of your data to appropriate levels of, of quality, you can't have science, right? And so, and so it seems to me that what you're talking about is the very foundation of how you move HR forward, how you take it from being um, – uh, it used to be that HR – was was always concerned about getting a place at the table, but now that they have a place at the table, it's time for them to have something to say. And yeah. the, the way that you get something to say is with uh, more science and less folk art. Yeah, there you go. Well, now that we're out of the uh, uh, folk tales and the fairy tales of what is HR, the, the big, bad, scary wolf is coming and coming in the form of the European Union and their copyright and data privacy laws. One of the first um, topics I know we have on our list to talk about today is the passing of the European uh, controversials, they're calling it, online copyright reform. So uh, although the Europe is particularly known for GDPR right now and their data privacy requirements around that, they're also putting in place a lot of very stringent regulations around copyright issues for content being used and reused across the um, internet. And these particular laws were, they tried to pass them in July, they got voted down, they made some minor changes to them, and they just came out again. And, and there's, you know, the idea that they're going to start to really follow the trail of where copyrights originated from and start to tax, they call it a link tax, um, websites that re, you know, basically share that information when it's copyrighted someplace else. Um, now, this is, doesn't seem like it would be a big HR issue, but I particularly thought of as soon as I saw it, what happens to all of the content providers, particularly in the learning space, with learning technologies who reshare content that is copyrighted or those who reshare research or media outlets as a learning component. What do you think, John? Do you think this is going to have an impact well, think- on the HR space? I think there's two pieces to it. What comes to mind immediately for me is salary.com. And Mm -hmm. salary.com used to have an enormous amount of traffic from people who came to salary.com to find out what their salary should be. You could not get that from Google because Google spidered the the salary.com site and uses their data to power their salary estimates. Um, and, and so, so that's one of these places where, where there's a direct impact on the vendors in our community. And, um, I'm sure that, that there's some cheering in some quarters that, that the idea that what makes Google or some other portal different is that they're not a publisher they're just a data source and so they're not subject to the same legislation that publishers are but this this controversial european law simply holds um, internet providers accountable to the same laws that newspapers have been to for 50 years yeah it 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 could be we'll see but this this could have more of an impact on our social networks in some cases um, as we, and as we've talked about our content disseminators, right? I think that the big conversation now is not just 
should I distribute it, but can I distribute it if a law like this gets passed around the globe? But then ultimately, if it gets changed in any format, what is the repercussions of that, right, depending? Because right now on social media, there's not a lot of repercussions for the social media platform itself if someone else puts that content out there. There are some repercussions maybe for that person who put it out there, but there's not many repercussions for the platform at this point. That's right. That's exactly what that's exactly what they're wrestling with here. Now it's going to have, as you were hinting, um, it's going to have long-term implications for HR departments that synthesize news, like the, the HR examiner, for instance, gets copied fairly routinely into intranets, and and we don't get the benefit of the traffic because the company X passes our articles out to their 500 members of their um, HR team, and we only see a single click. Um, and so that question of, of how do you get credit for the work that you do is what people who hold copyrights are interested in. And generally speaking, um, the, the, um, Internet for the last 20 years has been sort of a, a cornucopia of free content for internal uses in companies. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, and I don't know how much of this law will initially touch on it, but I think eventually it will get to those type of conversations. And I think it sort of leads to a lot of the, the, the other conversations we're going to have today, which is, you know, who owns the liability of your company's content? Right. There's there's been a big conversation about this. Um, you know, one of the news items this week was that Workday has a new CIO. Um, their uh, orig- uh, CIO Diana McKenzie is um, leaving to pursue some longtime personal passions. She's also being put on boards and a couple other things that she's it seems to be really excited about. But they are bringing a new CIO into the organization who is. Um, comes originally from Western Union for many years, has a, has a long-standing IT background, um, and Sherry Rhodes is her name. But what I was thinking is that, boy, what a, a role to take these days. CIO of, of a large public cloud-based technology platform, right? Um, for any company that has an intranet as well as an external-facing sort of cloud application component, the content that's on those applications is going to be just as important as the infrastructure as those applications going forward. And that seems to be something that we haven't really thought as much about in past years. I think that's right. I think, I think um, we finally figured out infrastructure and, and as a result, data becomes infinitely more important. That's absolutely right. It will be more difficult roles. And then, as you noted, the head of HR and the HR function itself is probably going to have to think more differently about their role around the data and the employee information and the content that's flowing throughout their applications that they have decided to use in their organization. So, yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, Lots of change on the horizon. this week lots and lots of funding oh my goodness the money is flowing the banks are open the cash is out um you know but Santa this week is and delivering last week, presents Santa is delivering presents is. everywhere yeah 
in the HR tech space, without a doubt, we're seeing lots of, of investments. Um, interestingly, we're seeing quite a bit of in, in investments in the Asia-Pacific market, and not small amounts. Um, there was an $80 million Series C fund uh, for a Chinese online HR management platform called Lightspeed, um, not to be confused with um, any other lighthouse or any other names in the market. It's called Lightspeed. Um, and you sure that this isn't, they, this isn't Ben Eubanks getting a lot of money? I was just going to say, yeah. No, no, I know Ben would love to hear that he was getting $80 million at the Lighthouse uh, uh, Research, but no, he's, I think this is called Lightspeed is what it is. Uh, not a company I'm familiar with. Maybe we'll get to hear more about it uh, when both you and I are heading over to Singapore. I'm sure there will be some um, conversation there about some of these organizations. But at the same time, we're also seeing another large sort of uh, – China-based organization called MOCA, raising $27 million with the focus on making hiring more data-driven in China. So two large investments in China. We had several in the last couple of weeks that we talked about. Um, these, are, these are pretty big amounts of money, um, particularly sort of in U.S. dollars. Uh, do you think this is something we're going to see more of, the Asia-Pacific investments, it's particularly as you know, we get over there, have some conversations, we're probably getting a little bit more um, awareness of what's happening in that market, or, or do you think it's really getting hotter right now? Well, I think I think China is has made a pretty big commitment to becoming the dominant player in artificial intelligence, and so both so both of these things are are moves to understand specific niche markets in hiring and in HR, and um, I, I imagine going to see a bunch more of this. Um, and, and what's interesting about it is the VC model is new to um, the economic approach in China, generally speaking, right? Because if you wanted to, you know, 20 years ago, if you wanted to do this, the government just started the company and the question of whether or not it made any money and had a return and all that was sort of a stroke of a pen rather than a banking transaction. And now... Um, China is, has a an economy that more resembles a Western capitalist economy than it's ever had before. Well, we will learn more about it um, as we we get deeper into the into the market and hearing a little bit more about what each of these applications do. But but I think it's exciting to see you know that there is like you said investment, open conversations, and we'll probably get an opportunity to have. Um, have, bring back in the next couple of months some, some interesting stories about what's happening in the Asia-Pacific market with their HR technology. I know we'll be uh, sharing some data from the CRCDA report that will be breaking out in that area as well. But another area that seems to be exploding right now is benefits. Um, I, I counted them in the last two weeks just from what I could talk about, and these were probably the larger versus the, all the, the smaller little investments. There were seven sort of major investments or changes going on in the benefit space. Um, one is a pretty big one. We, many of us know about PlanSource. PlanSource is one of the larger benefits um, technology applications in the market. A lot of um, organizations actually white label it and use it with their benefit service offerings along as an application. But PlanSource is being acquired by Vista Equity Partners. Um, that was some pretty big news to come out this week. But we're also hearing um, investments across the board in all areas of benefits. We saw um, Clio, which is a 
um, of benefits for working parents. This is sort of a new organization that is building up some interesting sort of, I would say, benefits plus areas. Um, and they're just raised $27.5 million. We also saw um, CXA Group raising $25 million in funding. They're a Singapore-based provider of predictive data intelligence and data intelligence platform to improve health, wellness, and wellness choices. So they're sort of a choice selection technology. Um, and, the, and the numbers just go on. I mean, we've got Artemis Health raising $25 million for their, uh, their venture uh, partners around the area of continuously helping employers get the most from their healthcare spending. Uh, there was also uh, PeerFit receives 18 million investments and they're a Tampa-based Florida organization uh, focusing on employers' full fund fitness experience for their employees. I mean, I mean, these is just, I, I could go on, like I said, there's seven different funding just in those last two weeks. What do you think is driving this explosion in benefits vesting right now, John? Well, you know, it's, it's benefits is a, a dry topic and it is a, it is a least favorite nightmare of most people in HR, but a huge amount of money flows to benefits. And, and so if you are, um, an insurance company or a digital startup who wants to take business away from insurance companies, this is where to be. And uh, because, because compensation is some percentage of the cash flow for benefits, imagine, imagine that the benefits cash flow is about a third of payroll. Which means, you know, if in the company, in the contemporary company where 70% of the employees are, or 70% of the cost has to do with employees, then a third of that, or, you know, 22 or 3% of the overall revenue of the company um, is benefits, right? Yeah. And so, And so instead of $10 per head per month, which is is where lots of SaaS oriented things start. You can start at a third of the paycheck per employee per month. Yeah. That's that's interesting, right? And if you can keep a percentage of that by letting the cash flow through your books, um, who wouldn't want that? So it's a great place to make a lot of money. And and I think I, I don't know, you've probably been following this. I think one of the things that I'm seeing is that some benefits providers are becoming technology companies and that's that's because you can give away the software you can give away the hris in exchange for the cash flow for benefits component of this is, is getting very interesting because it's it's not just about um the tool to provide the benefits which is, is generally what it has been you know, you've always had a service providers like a towers watson or a mercer or you know in the larger groups like that who who had a platform that you would use to sort of access your benefits information and, and, and do, you know, individual sign on. And you have those in your big ERP systems and in some of the HRMS systems. And, and we see a, a pretty mixed percentage, you know, of organizations who outsource all of it, who outsource some of it, or who, you know, do it through a pure technology. But what I'm seeing in a lot of these vendors and these new areas is that they are offering – new types of technology that become part of the benefits themselves, not just 
a place where I can go and pick out the package and click a button, but now helping me actually make better health decisions, right? Helping me through wellness and fitness programs, helping me through uh, the one is a, is a new parents program that walks you through how to deal with things like, you know, breastfeeding and how to deal with issues like finding the right care providers. Those are benefits that are, expand the idea of what, um, you know, an employee is getting in a way that is, and, and it's all technology based. It's not something that is services based as much as you would think it is. And to me, that's the most interesting story here is it's, it's that the technology itself is becoming part of the benefits package. Right? So is this really technology or is this um, a clever new way to deliver content? That's a good question, right? You know, especially with our content question that we just had earlier, right? Like how much of the content that is provided is oftentimes repurposed from other sources. Um, I, I think it's a mixture. You know, my sense of what what we're looking at with a lot of these these tools is that the content wouldn't be valuable if it was provided just as a you know I'm going to a website and reading it. It's only valuable in the fact that I have it available when I need it, and it has some action items tied to it and some things that I'm trying to accomplish. But that would be my perspective on it. So that's the right content delivered at the right time to the right person, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You think this is what Josh Burson is talking about when he talks about learning in the flow? Maybe. I mean, I mean that's that's an idea I think that has been around for a long time, and we just generally haven't had the real capability to know someone individually, to know them person at a personal level. And that's a lot of what learning in the flow is all about: is that that idea of knowing someone at a personal level enough to know exactly what kind of learning they need, and to know exactly where they're at when they need that learning. Um, this I think is a lot of that, but I also think it's it's um, it's a little bit more about the fact that we're what is considered a benefit. Learning's pretty clear. I need to do something. Here's a skill. How's like? Here's how I get it done. Right. Uh, benefits are, are much more. I think there's a bigger question out there about, you know, is support for finding the right daycare a benefit? Right. I, I don't know. That's a question that I have, but it's definitely a the environment. Right. Well, so so I want to sort of drive you back to the question, which is, which is if learning about what the right daycare center is is a benefit, it sounds like it's just content, right? It sounds like it's personalized content. We know you better, so we can deliver this content about how to make a decision about daycare centers, or uh, we know you better, so we can give you some insight about how to make good decisions about your health. Um, Right. And there's a ton of that stuff out there. Yeah. Uh, and it, it seems like maybe what's happening is that learning is leaving its technology and pure functional work focus and spreading out into the rest of the organization and the way it relates to the people who are in it. Yeah. Yeah. Could, could definitely be the case in this situation where, where you've got, you know, a lot of focus on on education, a lot of things that people have to make decisions about that are really critical to their personal lives. And what better way to do that than being educated, right? Yep, yep. It's 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 a it's a fascinating space. But a lot of what I'm seeing in these in these automated uh, 
course delivery tools that deliver stuff to people on a personalized basis. You know, you take out uh, breastfeeding information and install how to use the latest piece of software, and it seems like it's the same profile that you're dealing with. Um, just on the one hand, you're dealing with the family life of that profile, and on the other hand, you're you're dealing with sophistication on the job. Well, to me, that gets back to to the to the employee data profile and, and that conversation we were talking about earlier. Who owns that? Is that the CIO? Is that the CHRO? Um, and how protected does that need to be? And if there are so many regulations around it, can I actually get to know my employee well enough to provide this kind of information? These benefit platforms, I think, are banking on the fact that employee data will flow freely with the between the employee and their work-related benefits applications. If that doesn't come to fruition, if there's too many regulations put around it, that may not be the case, right? Oh, that's so interesting. And and really, um, it's not that far away that employees are going to start demanding ownership of their data, right? So, so it, it may not be the CHRO or the CIO or the CTO. It may be the employee. Yeah, there we go. Well, that will be an interesting day. When that happens, then will the employee be part of the technology decision for the company? That'll really knock their socks off, won't it? <laughs> well, you you know, I've been hearing I've been hearing a resurgence of interest in blockchain in our world, um, and this gets at this gets at exactly the thing I don't understand about how you do blockchain, which is. Um, Blockchain's great unless an employee wants their information removed from the system. And if the employee wants their relationship removed from the system, you can't do it if it's blockchain. Well, it, it depends on how you are, are connecting the dots, but um, I, that is a question, right? Can you be truly removed from anything that's got a blockchain component to it? I don't know the answer to that. I do know there's a lot of ways anonymizing or scrambling data, and that might be the way around it, but I don't know. That's a, yeah, that's a question, that's the, I think. The, yeah. yeah, the regulation isn't scramble the data when asked. The regulation, yeah. the GDPR and California both, um, say remove it. Yeah. Um, and, and every answer that I've heard about that sounds like, sounds like where you were going, which is um, – yeah. We can make we can make it so that nobody can have access to it, <laughs> and and that's not the same. It's not, not the, the regulation. Same. That is right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <It's not> <laughs> well, John, so, we have whipped through some interesting <clears throat> conversations already this week, and we and we still have there's still more funding that was done, but it was mostly in job scheduling and and more of the the um, recruiting space as well. So I don't know. Um, there, I think this will be the next couple months. We'll see a lot more funding going on throughout the market as well. Yeah, and and, and we'll post the notes for the conversation on the on the website. And, and if you're interested, the funding information trails in that, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, thanks. This was another great conversation, Stacy. And thanks for indulging me in a late night conversation. <laughs> Definitely worked out well for everybody's schedule. So, um, and we'll be here same time or not actually same time, but our regular time next week. So everyone can uh, check in and we'll, and we'll be able to chat a little bit with everybody 
Um, I think both of us will be calling in from the ultimate event, or at least uh, we'll be uh, just leaving the ultimate event next week. So. Yep. So I'll see you in Las Vegas. Yep. And here are those uh-huh. Irish week, guys. Everyone. You've been listening to <laughs> HR Tech Weekly with Stacey Harris and John Subzer. And look, the Irish guys are back. Yay. See you next Ready week. Bye, everyone.